Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. First of all, I want to make sure that you are appreciated. I want to make sure that you know that you are appreciated. I love that you're tuning in. I love that you listen in. And if you could like, comment, follow, give the podcast a 7 to 12 star rating, that would be amazing. So last week, we didn't have a podcast. I wanted to get the family on for this episode. Uh, The week before that was about hyperfixations, a little bit different than those special interests. But if you have a chance after you're done listening to this cast, head on back and listen to the hyperfixations cast. So let's dive right into this. I got Jessica and Holden on the podcast as our guests today. So this week's theme is all about living in a household that has left of normals and normies, neurotypicals and neurospicy people. So we put together a few questions and I'm here with my wife, Jessica, and my son, Holden. And we're going to just have a conversation around ASCII brains and what it's like living all together. So we threw together a few questions. We're gonna just start out with uh, what it's like living with Two left of normal brains, the pros and the cons of living with Aspies. So I'm going to hand the microphone to Jessica and she can talk about that first. Hi, so my life can be very interesting living with two Aspie gentlemen in my home and uh, just trying to function as peacefully as we can. The pros of having these amazing brains. Uh, Both Holden and Scott are very creative, inquisitive, and uh, like-minded. And so they are always up for adventure and doing uh, anything and everything that's possible. Um, They keep the life of the house interesting. Uh, we're always learning new things, doing new things, and uh, reading. Hi, here's here's my perspective of li- of living with another Aspie brain and living with an Aspie brain in my head. Um. So the pros of it is that um is most uh, the great personality and. Always out seeking for adventure, and the and the cons might be some all like wanting adventure and attention all the time for me and my father. So a lot of it is just living with Holden, who kind of has a similar brain to when I was ten years old, but I don't. Sometimes I don't realize that. I've learned to adapt and overcome various things that I don't realize he hasn't learned those lessons yet. Mm -hmm. And so it can be kind of frustrating. Sometimes it can be difficult to figure out where he's coming from because it's not where I am at anymore. It's where I used to be. And so it's like a step back of trying to be like, oh yeah, okay, now I need to explain this a little bit more to him so he fully understands it. So that leads uh, very well into one of the being a 
uh, non-Aspie brain in this house is watching Holden and Scott try to joke around with one another. It uh, creates lots of frustrations. Um, as Scott said earlier, trying to take a step back and realize that he is overcome and uh, learn to adapt to social situations and Holden is still learning to be part of social situations. So one of the two things that Holden and Scott do that drive me absolutely crazy is they joke around with each other, but yet become so frustrated with the when they're trying to be sarcastic and joke. So for example, Scott will do something teasingly to Holden during dinner, like pretend to put pepper on his plate um, or ask him if he wants hot sauce on his food every single night and Holden will burst out at him in frustration of, no, I don't want that. But then when Holden tries to joke back with his dad by pretending to put pepper on his food, Scott gets mad at him, even though he maybe a few nights earlier had just done the same joke to Holden. So getting the two of them to see that they're both doing the exact same thing, just one of them is an adult body and the other one is a 10-year-old body, and their reactions to one another can create frustration. So, Mom, I have a question for you. What was it like growing up with a non-Aspie brain, not always out for everything and having your mind going a hundred thousand million miles per hour. <laughs> well, as a kid, I didn't know any different. To me, uh, it was just growing up and I really didn't know or understand uh, the spectrum until I was in college and I studied it more. So even in high school, I didn't know it was a thing. Um, I didn't know that others were diagnosed or could be on the spectrum. And so I didn't see others in a different way. Even when I met your dad, I didn't look at him and think, oh, he's on the spectrum. I kind of like that. It wasn't until we learned more about it and grew together that we even realized that your dad is on the spectrum. And so um, childhood was just a childhood for me of learning to get along with people, understanding people. Nothing in school stands out as far as me feeling uh, that I'm an outcast or that I saw others of it as an outcast. That's kind of a terrible word to say, but <laughs> that they didn't fit in to the mainstream. So for me, it was just growing up. I didn't know anything different. So what you're saying is, as you were growing up to you, everyone was just normal. I hate saying that word, but that's what you thought. And people with more energy were just annoying. I wouldn't say that people with more energy were annoying, but yes, I thought everyone was quote unquote normal. Bad word. And that, I mean, I was busy and had energy as a kid as well. So I didn't see any others with more energy than I had. You have to keep in mind, too, that when we were 10, 11 years old, when we were your age, when people said autism, it was 
just the very extreme cases. They didn't understand that it was a whole spectrum. And it wasn't until 1996 when Asperger's was officially a diagnosis. And that's where they started kind of separating and going towards this spectrum where you can be high functioning, you can be just a little bit left of normal. It's not just way over, nonverbal, very dependent. So when we were kids, it was more of just, we were just the Aspie kids, the way they would be called now, were just kind of the weird kids. They were quieter and they'd just kind of sit to themselves and they wouldn't interact quite as much. And then throw in the more ADHD too, then you get different, different behaviors that manifest in different ways as well. So then it also meant autism equals freak. And then now it, it, autism equals special. And same with Asperger's. Mm-hmm. All right, so mom, I have one more question. I have another question for you. You like to make kombucha, correct? Correct. And when you bottle or take out the scobies, I like to help a lot, correct? Correct. When I'm helping, is it ever hard not to say, Holden, go away, because if I make one wrong move, I might kill the scobies and ruin the kombucha, or I might just do something wrong, and since I don't know that much of how to do it, is it ever hard to just let me be there? Absolutely, it is. Mostly because it's my special interest. It's something that, it's my craft that I'm trying to take on, whereas baking is something that I could happily let you help me with. Um, And so, which is why it's easier to let you be in the kitchen when we're cooking and baking than when you are trying to help me with something that is a science and... I guess baking is a science. Yes. But anyway, yes, it is hard. And because of your impulses and being um, curious about everything, it makes it challenging to... You don't get to be curious in, when it comes to making kombucha. But if you want to be curious while baking some cookies, you're welcome to. Rude. <laughs> some of it comes down to not necessarily the Aspie brain either. It comes mm-hmm. down to just being younger. The younger you were, the harder it was to have you help where you, you know, when you were two, three, four years old, it was more of you helped by creating more work for us. Mm-hmm. Now it's you, you can help and actually help a little bit. And as you get older, it'll get even easier. But it's one of those things that if you want it done right, just let me do it. I can do it faster and better. But then you have to slow down and remember that you're, we're teaching you how to do these things so you can do them the right way in the future and not just have everything done for you all the time. So completely different topic now. Some things with the Aspie brain have interests, like we probably talked about this before in the past. <clears throat> My interest in inflatables, I have counted 15 of them with a new 13-foot-tall animatronic Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas, which almost broke today because of the wind. And they're just, I don't, 
I don't, can't even remember how it started, just that interest has grown on me, and my grandma keeps paying for all of them, which I feel like she's rich. And So when you were, I can't remember how old you were when you got your first inflatable for your birthday, when you were four years old, your fourth or fifth birthday, uh, did you know anything about inflatables? Do you remember back then? Before you got your first one, what did you think of them when you saw them and what made you start getting interested in them? Well, I do remember my the birthday. What I saw is this box with a snowman on it. And I took it out and it was this cool thing with a fan. So I plugged it in and it was just so satisfying watch it go and just inflate. And so then I started getting interested in them. And back then I just thought those were like the only types. And then I discovered that the the bigger ones, and I want, and I really wanted a big one. And then, when I was probably eight years old, I got the first big one, which is a which was a Santa. And then I started collecting them even more. Here's my mother. Do you remember every single night going for walks around the neighborhood, looking about all the inflatables, which is what started your interest? That's what started it. I remember after that, I'd be inflatable, inflatable, inflatable every single night. And it would be the most amazing thing in the world. And then when I, when it was like dark, when it was dark out and I'd go to the house and see a bunch of dead inflatables, it would make me so sad. And I would want to go knock on their door and say, can you turn on your inflatables, please? It's time to turn them on. And... Yep, and so we would walk around and we'd find the houses that had them and then we'd explore to find new ones where they were the bigger ones and unique ones and then you found some that moved, like their heads would turn while they were inflated and then we'd just, we'd remember each of the houses that had all the different setups and we'd go to each one until that year for your birthday, your grandma brought you the... Grandma Darlene Great bought grandma. you the, mm -hmm. the snowman one. Mm -hmm. We had your birthday at Billings Chi Tu Do. You had it set up over in the corner while we did all our games. Mm -hmm. And even seeing all of them was really cool. The one thing that I wanted the most was to see the ones that to me look 20 feet tall, but I'm pretty sure now are only like 10 feet tall. The thing that I wanted most was to see them inflate. That's for some reason what I always wanted to do, and it still is very satisfying to watch it. So I wanted to touch on a little bit about uh, communication in this house and the different ways that we all communicate with each other um, when and how it's just changed over the years. I think as a whole, we all have to, in this house, communicate very gently with one another and um, nothing can really be um, extreme when it comes to communication. I feel like I have to plant seeds sometimes for ideas if I want them to get done, or if I have something great, it takes a while for maybe Scott to get on board with an idea that I have, or, um, how we go about it. Um, I've noticed that there's times that Scott will communicate through Holden to me. Like if there's, he wants 
shoes are in the way or things are in the way, he'll yell at Holden to pick up his things, but really my stuff is in mixed in there as well. So instead of telling me to go pick something up or he wants, he communicates through Holden in that way. So that could be frustrating. I know that when we were first married, there was, I wouldn't say like fights or conflict, but butting heads maybe about our different communication styles. You know, Jessica didn't like it how I didn't communicate enough, but I didn't ever feel like there were things that needed to be communicated. So I wasn't just, I just wasn't saying things. And then she would think that I was upset or something was wrong because I wasn't saying anything. Mm -hmm. And fortunately that has more leveled out over the years. Uh, There's still things like that I miss the cues stuff like this one doesn't really happen but if somebody were to say there's a lot of dishes in the sink mm-hmm. and they want the dishes to be washed mm-hmm. and then i'd look and be like there sure are <laughs> without really realizing that by saying there's a lot of dishes in the sink means will you please take care of those dishes in the sink yeah. and so those are the things that if you have an aspie in your household and you want them to do something just ask them or tell them say hey this needs to be done will you please take care of it that one definitely was a learning curve and i've noticed even with holden if we want something done it has to be a direct go unload the dishwasher um, instead of a blanket there's work that needs to be done in the house or i'm noticing that things are messy we just need to not do those underlying um, directions. Or even stuff that's even clearer, something that's like the dishwasher needs unloaded and then nothing will happen because nobody gave a specific instruction, please unload the dishwasher. And so, especially with Holden as he's learning the communication styles and everything too, he, we've noticed we have to say, Holden, will you please unload the dishwasher? And then that way he knows we're talking to him and not just making Mm -hmm. a statement that it needs unloaded and somebody's going to eventually take care of it. (laughs) And going back to where my father communicates through me, it is very annoying. Like, here, clean your stuff up when I didn't even do it. And he knows that, but he doesn't want to go to his wife and say, can you please clean up your stuff? <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all we have for you guys today. If you thank you guys for listening. If you have any comments, make sure to leave it for us. And remember, if you think things are right, they must be left. And if you think things are left, they must be right. For now, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right, and if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, like, comment, and subscribe. Please join the Facebook community. Feel free to ask any questions you have over there, and we can build a podcast episode around that question. Remember that uh, communication amongst families is going to be vastly different depending on where each member of the family falls on the spectrum, and it takes time to learn how to communicate properly and effectively. And please don't forget, share this podcast with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.